I was five, I fell in love. It didn't last. He ran from me, literally ran from me. And being Kenyan, he ran fast. <laughs> By 13, I gave up trying. I decided I would be a mathematician. Cause math is real. I memorized a lot of pi because addition and subtraction and division would never make me feel so stupid with love. Like I didn't get it. I didn't get it somehow. Smart with math, but stupid with love. I didn't get it. I didn't get it till now. Do you have an eraser? Welcome I to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. James. Happy Mean Girls Day. Oh, that's so fetch. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I, I, where was I? I was, at, um, I was at the nap, and the guy sitting next to me had a hat on that said fetch on it. I was like, dude. He's, he's a, he was a dog trainer. <laughs> My name is James Marino. Matt, you are back to sounding just perfect. <laughs> That's because I was really, really loud the last time we tried to record this. But uh, yeah, so today is Mean Girls Day. There is an ungodly amount of events not only happening yeah. in New York, but all around the world. There are rosé cupcakes. Um, there's stuff going on at the Dry Bar. There's uh, all types of stuff at Bloomingdale's. Then there's things around the country. We will have a list of all of the different activities around the country and around the world in the show notes. Obviously, it's also a Wednesday, so you are thereby required to wear pink. But uh, lots of stuff going on. And, you know, we're going to talk about Mean Girls here in a little bit. But I and I know I said this when I saw it, but I really like this show and I really like the way that they are approaching the marketing of the show, not just from a cultural thing, because obviously it has a lot of cultural resonance from the film and then also with Tina Fey attached. But the, the cast is really involved and really engaging. And, and I'm very impressed with this whole operation, both on and off stage, James. And you mentioned that uh, today is Wednesday, and you know what happens on Wednesdays, right? <laughs> I, I don't. Tell me. Well, well, on Broadway, there's matinees. And oh. typically, matinees on Wednesdays start at, uh, you know, 2-ish, maybe 2.05, 2.07, something like that. Damn it, James. I know where you're going with this. <sighs> Just in the middle of the first scene of most uh, shows tomorrow, there's going to be a national email or text message alert system that's going to go off at approximately 2.18 p.m. Eastern time, just uh, falls in the middle of... Um, General Hospital. <laughs> it's ironic. It was uh, 2.18 into the recording of this. But um, yeah, so I expect that each theater will have about a thousand cell phones go off at that moment. So uh, hopefully you are not in a house with Patty Lapone. Oh, Here's to the ladies who lunch. Um, speaking of politics, James, I've written hundreds of theatrical and movie and TV reviews in my career. I have never once apologized for a single one of them. Well, there was one where I justified my hating of a show because I liked American Horror Story. I apologize for that one. That was really poorly <laughs> written. But other than that, I have never apologized for a review but then again, I'm not running for Senate in Texas, but I guess Beto, uh, Beto O'Rourke uh, thought he better uh, apologize for his 1991 review of Will Rogers' Follies because it could hurt him at the polls. I don't know. 
that's just weird, man. Okay. Well, uh, uh, Beto, as uh, one of your fellow brethren who apologizes on a daily basis, uh, you know, surely uh, welcome to the club. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, first up in the news. Uh, reviews are in for Tootsie's pre-Broadway tryout. Yes, they are, James. The out-of-town tryout for the new musical adaptation of the iconic film comedy Tootsie opened on Sunday at Chicago's Cadillac Palace Theater. And unlike New York, uh, critics out-of-town are often invited on opening night, so those uh, reviews kind of roll out every few days, and we finally started to see a good handful of the major ones. The show features an original score by Tony winner David Yazbek, as well as a book by Robert Horn, and is directed by Scott Ellis. The cast is led by Santino Fontana, Lily Cooper, Sarah Stiles, John Bailman. I'm, I'm certainly not going to get this one right, but Andy Gratiluchin, uh mm. Julie Halston. You think that's right? Yeah, I think so. I think okay, good. I'm glad. Uh, I tried to look it up. I couldn't find it. Julie Halston, Michael McGraw, not Michael McGrath, and Reg <laughs> Rogers. Seriously. That would have I'm been my apology. These things yeah. R- yeah. I'm supposed to pronounce these things right, and his last name is McGrath, but it's McGraw. Anyway, uh, the show <laughs> runs through October 14th before opening on Broadway on April 23rd of next year at the Marquee Theater. Anyway, into the reviews, Alex Huntsberger from Time Out Chicago gave the show four out of five stars, writing, quote, None of this would work without Fontana. He inhabits Dorothy with deadly seriousness. She's a true blue leading lady and a dead ringer for Dana Carvey's church lady. Ooh, that's (laughs) rough. Um, But he doesn't let the selfish Michael off the hook, and neither does the script, which significantly reworks the story's final stretch in one of many welcome updates to the film. Katie Sullivan from from the Chicago Sun-Times mostly says similar things. Yazbek's score is fine. Given the program's lack of a song list, it is also perhaps still in flux. For now, it includes a mix of aptly soaring I Want anthems, goofy character songs, and pleasingly energetic all-hands-on-deck production numbers. Horn's dialogue has some genuine zingers. Uh, Scott Ellis has laid in the dances with insidery theater type. um, And here I think she says choreographer Scott Ellis. I don't believe Scott Ellis uh, uh, choreographed it. I believe that is supposed to be Dennis Jones um, who choreographed it, perhaps. But anyway, um, the choreography is laden with dances with insidery theater type references, which are hilarious, particularly within the show within the show. His narration of steps is a high point in hilarity. Watch for the pop up chorus line homage. It's a few bars of heaven. Now, Chris Jones uh, from the Chicago Tribune who tends to like everything in Chicago. Um, he says, uh, still, Tootsie gets so much right. It's by far the best of this recent crop of Chicago tryouts. I've surely never seen a musical comedy so deliciously lampoon the familiar tropes of Broadway choreography. And here he references Dennis Jones, who is the actual choreographer. And by being so palpably warm-hearted, it avoids causing any offense in an era much changed from 1992 when the original film comes in. No easy feat, that. Yeah, uh, Chris Jones will now contribute to both the Chicago Tribune and the New York Daily News. So kind of pulling a little double duty since he does a lot of reviewing of the shows in New York. But for the most part, James, everyone likes the show, says there's some room for improvements. But there's been a lot of shows trying out in Chicago lately. And it seems that all of these critics liked this one the best. So, you know, depending on what happens with Hades Town or even Limpica or some other things that are still to be announced, it looks like Tootsie is a heavy favorite um, in a, for a lot of nominations um, coming into the uh, spring season. Um, we're going to talk about another show that might give it a run for its money, depending on how it's classified. But 
it sounds like this one is really good. Yeah, uh, we should get our uh, Chicago correspondent Natalie Nowak out there to uh, take a look at it, <laughs> even though she's in Chicago. Yeah, she's in Connecticut, Connecticut yes. now. Yeah, but she <laughs> seems to go back and forth to Chicago a lot. So, uh, so certainly this does look like uh, very positive reviews, and uh, interesting that they talked about that the script is updated from the movie. You know, maybe Pretty Woman should have thought of that. So, uh, oops, yeah, oops. Yeah, next time, next time. All right. So uh, let's take a look at the next story up here, which is another critic's weigh-in on The Girl from the North Country off-Broadway. Yes, on Monday, the new musical slash play with music. I'm still not sure how they're going to classify this. And based on the reviews, I'm not sure what makes sense. But anyway, it opened at the Public Theater on Monday. The show was written by Irish playwright Connor McPherson and features songs from the Bob Dylan catalog, but... Not the ones that you would normally expect if this was like a jukebox type of bio musical. And for the most part, they're not how you would expect to hear them. McPherson also directs the ensemble cast that includes Todd Almond, Stephen Bagardist, Caitlin Houlihan, Mark Kudish, Luba Mason, David Pitu, Mar Winningham, and more. As we mentioned yesterday, the show has extended a final time through December 23rd, and perhaps future plans for the spring are to be announced at a future date. On to the reviews. Ben Brantley of the New York Times made the show a critic's pick, writing, quote, brightness flickers fitfully in the bleak, beautiful landscape of Girl from the North Country, a rich and strange marriage of the talents of the Irish playwright Connor McPherson and the American songwriter Bob Dylan. The setting for this haunting musical melodrama of unmoored lives is, after all, a premature winner in Minnesota during the Great Depression. So when something like joy or hope or love promises to light up the night in this ravaging production, it doesn't stand much chance against the prevailing darkness. This is a story of an age of privation and separation in which homes are lost and families riven. Not exactly a feel-good type of show based on Brantley's review, but obviously he enjoyed it enough to make it a critic's pick. So that is a rave from Ben Brantley. Similarly, Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show four out of five stars, writing, quote, McPherson gracefully avoids the trap of a greatest of a greatest hit survey. Only three songs in the score are from Dylan's cultural heyday in the 1960s. And even the most famous ones have been rearranged rearranged, truncated, combined into melodies. The show makes Dylan's songs as unfamiliar as it can. It freezes them in timelessness. Now, here's where we start to get some variation in the critics' reviews. Sarah Holdren of Vulture said, quote, The tone is overwhelmingly static and morose. Hale has cranked down the tempos, the music director, and added choruses of keening harmonies. And McPherson has instructed his actors to play everything straight, sad and soaring. They all make brave attempts to gaze into the middle distance and sing down the hurt. And they're all superb vocalists assisted by the lovely work of sound designer, Simon Baker, who gives their voices a haunting edge of reverb. But after four or five songs have rolled by, you'd think all that Dylan ever wrote were laments. She liked things, didn't like things. David Cody from the observer didn't really like it at all. It hurts me to uh, it hurts me little to conclude that Girl from the North Country, an attempt to twine Dylan's five decade catalog through a theatrical trellis, doesn't work. For me, the heartbreak is that Connor McPherson, an artist dear to my heart, has written and staged such a disappointing play. 
So, James, I think much like much of the confusion that goes into classifying the show between a musical and a play with music, this is not going to be for everybody. For the people that it is for, it will likely be very much their cup of tea. For the people who it is not for, perhaps like David Cody here, you are probably going to be disappointed and not like it. So tread lightly when buying tickets to this, despite some of the raves from some of the bigger critics, Brantley, Feldman. Um, but it's it's going to be a little hit or miss depending on what your particular sensibilities are. I tell you, um, it is an impossible ticket to get. It's just... Mm-hmm. Totally... Even with the extension. Yeah. And so, uh, hot off Broadway. This is what's going on right now. All right. What do we have in our recommendation section? Well, two things. First up, um, <laughs> we kind of mentioned it when Ansel Elgort got... Uh, announced to be playing Tony, but Ben Platt's been tweeting quite a bit. The other day, he retweeted his uh, audition video for the role of Tony. But yesterday, he tweeted something that was a little more uplifting. In a uh, in his tweet, he said, stuck in L.A., he's filming a TV show for Netflix, and so gutted that I can't see the spectacular uh, Nicolette uh, Robinson during her run in Sarah Burles' Waitress, so I decided to sing out my frusta- frustration, pie emoji, heart emoji, uh, and then he sang about a minute and a half of of She Used to Be Mine. So uh, it's very nice, very impressive. Um, ben uh, looks like he's slimmed down quite a bit, uh, which is, I, looks a little sick to me, but that's uh, just me. Maybe he's bulking up, so who knows? Um, but there's that one. But then the other one is I mentioned earlier I wanted to talk about wait- or, uh, for uh, my uh, Mean Girls, and I happened to be up really late last night, and then I saw a tweet or a, something on Instagram about Mean Girls being on the Seth Meyers show, and I hadn't heard about it, so I – Happened to be up, so I flipped over, watched the guest for Seth Meyers, and then watched the cast perform Stupid with Love. That's mostly Erica Henningsen uh, performing. And it's interesting because so much of this show is marketed around the plastics. I have professed my love for Kate Rockwell's Karen um, and her stupid character and that whole persona. And I think she delivers her song Sexy unbelievably. But watching Stupid with Love and Erica Henningsen with the, the benefit of, of, of close-ups and being able to see her face um, and the expressions she went through, I was really kind of taken with her performance and things that I didn't notice when I saw the show in the theater. So I was really impressed by it um, and a song that I honestly generally skip if I'm looking, listening to the cast album, but I won't be doing that anymore because I really, really enjoyed this performance on Seth Meyers on Monday night. Excellent. All right, Matt, uh, what else do we have to talk about today? Okay, uh, a few more things before I passed you along and got you into your hump day. First up, yesterday, producers announced that this season's Ain't Too Proud, which is now subtitled The Life and Times of the Temptations, uh, will begin performances on Broadway on on February 28th of 2019 with an official opening night set for March 21st at the Imperial Theater. Additional information, I'm assuming confirming the cast, will be announced shortly. In other news, yesterday we learned that Waitress will uh, welcome a new Dawn and Ogie next week. Fresh off her run on the show's tour, Lena Klingeman will will be joining Alex Weiss as the uh, in the show beginning on October 9th. They will replace real-life married couple Katie Lowe's and Adam Shapiro, who are entering their final week in those roles. This week, wait- Waitress also announced that for the third year in a row to recognize Breast Cancer Awareness Month, they will issue the hashtag Waitress Pie Challenge, and for the second year in a row, they will be replacing the diner's uniforms that are traditionally blue, with pink versions. For more information on all that Waitress is doing in October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. 
And finally, beginning today, the new I guess platform or website or whatever called streaming musicals will release its premiere offering the new musical Emma from Tony nominee, Paul Gordon, which will star Kelly Barrett based on Jane Austen's novel of the same name. The musical has been given a mid 20th century modern aesthetic at the West side theater where it was filmed this past spring. Now, James, what's interesting about what streaming musicals, streamingmusicals.com is doing is they are actually actively involved in producing the content um, not just filming it, but actually producing it on the, the uh, from the start. That'll be on their site, but at least as of now, will not necessarily be productions of shows that are actually running. Instead, they will just be productions put together to be filmed and then streamed. And while they will be filmed in a theater, they will not have an audience. So they're calling these soundstage musicals. So they'll be be in a theater. There'll be a production that is filmed as if it was a play, but there won't be an audience there to watch it. Also, to differentiate what they're doing with Broadway HD and other services that have theatrical content, streaming musicals will not be a subscription service. Instead, you will be able to purchase or rent the individual shows that you're interested in. They've only got one show available as of now, James Emma. But I'm interested to see what kind of stuff they pull together in the future. I'm I'm a little curious why they went with this model. Um, it doesn't seem to be what anyone is doing right now. Everything is a subscription service nowadays. Um, and I'm a little interested why they chose this, if it was just simply to differentiate from Broadway HD. But I'm all, you know, we've talked about it. I'm all for whatever we can do to get theatrical content more available around the world and around the country and to people who can't make it to New York. But uh, this is kind of a, a head scratcher for me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely trying something very different than, and it uh, isolates them in the market insofar as they don't have any competition in this respect. Uh, when you and I talked about this a couple of days ago, it, you know, it's sort of almost like, you know, they're making DVDs but just streaming them because uh, it. I'd really like to see how this is implemented. Uh, the structure of most shows, the way that we think of uh, Broadway plays and musicals, are that they ebb and flow and have breaks for laughter and for uh, applause. And without the audience there to do that, I wonder how the energy of this will translate. But we haven't seen it yet, so I'm interested to yeah. see what, what, how it comes across. Yeah, well, and especially that's what we had with the first few years of NBC's live musicals where they weren't done in front of an audience. And it, every year, I think I came on this week on Broadway and said, man, this really needs an audience. Uh, yeah. And and I wrote about it when I reviewed them back in the day for Broadway World. And it was just like, all right, I don't know how I like this, but we don't mind it as much when it's a movie a movie musical, we don't feel like we're missing the applause. So I think it's really in the presentation. So it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. I'm rooting for them. Um, and I don't know if this is something where I, I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a loss leader, James. Like it's something that they're doing to promote you know, licensing or maybe even cast albums or something um, because it, it shows that don't have a huge name. I don't know that people are going to be rushing to rent or stream. But if these things are available for directors and for teachers to see, maybe that will you know, encourage them to purchase the rights and produce it, which might be where they're hoping to make the money in the long term. Hmm. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Reading. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. 
Um, thanks for spending some of your Wednesday with us. Uh, Matt and I will be back on Thursday morning. We're not going to have a late Wednesday evening release of our show. We're going to record Thursday morning and we'll be in your ears. Uh, try to get it to you before 9 a.m., but we'll talk to you then. It's not simple to say most days I don't recognize me Issues in this apron That place and its patrons Have taken more than I gave them It's not easy to know I'm not anything Like I used to be Although it's true I was never attention sweet center But I still remember that girl She's imperfect, but she tries. She is good.